I think when you're talking about elected officials, doors will fly open if we have, you know, Anquan Bolden on the phone and they want to meet with you about, you know, qualified immunity. Um, but I think what we've also seen is that athletes at all levels have their own platform in their own space. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about innovation, science, data collection, disruption, all different kinds of stuff. We are here in the Phoenix Convention Center in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Joe Favorito, joined by LJ Holmgren. LJ, welcome back for another one. Thanks, Joe. I'm very excited about this one. Um, apparently, you're part of the inspiration behind yeah. uh, some of the elements involved. This will go to my kids, as a matter of fact. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about women empowerment, young people empowerment, um, D&I investment, and how, it, how kind of the sausage gets made. So Angela LaChica is joining us. Um, thanks for coming on. Can you, before we kind of get to what you're doing now, give us a little bit of your career journey. Sure. Um, I started And talk my, about the newsletter, by the way. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I started my career path in sports when I was 14 years old with the San Diego Padres. I was not exactly honest about my age because you couldn't have hired a 14-year-old, but I got a job working in their community relations department. And I told them I'd be there every day, and I took the city bus after summer school and realized that I could get paid and be around sports and help the community. And so I never wavered from that career. Path. Oh, rebel. We love rebels <laughs> on this show. So keep going. You get there. Huh? Yeah. So um, back in 2007, you know, I'd always worked in sports and I always knew I wanted to own my own company. Um, and I came up, you know, in, in, in 1999, I was working for the San Diego State men's basketball team with Coach Fisher. And he sat me down and he said, I'm sorry, but I can't have a female around the team. Wow. And I begged him and I said, I promise you this is my career path. I promise you I won't let you down. I'm not here to date the players. He gave me a chance and that chance changed the entire trajectory of my career. And during that experience, I learned to find my male champions in this industry, mm -hmm. but also learned that as soon as I had an opportunity to provide a platform for other women, I was going to be full born. Cool. And today, tell us about the platform and how you built it out and what you're trying to do. Yeah, sure. Um, today, we are an all-female sport management team. We um, have a bunch of athlete clients who are working in social justice space and community impact. And what we get to do is use their platform and vicariously give back and impact so many communities in an incredible way. So give us some examples. So we, one of our clients is Players Coalition. We just... Um, finalize an agreement with the NFL for a five-year, $15 million extension for commitment to social justice funds. And that means that we've been doing the work. That means that we worked with our athletes and we were able to help pass 29 pieces of legislation over the past five years and really going beyond their small community impact but being able to help hundreds of thousands of citizens um, at a time. So we're here to support that work. We have some other clients who are being recognized at honors and just using Super Bowl as the wonderful opportunity to showcase all the work that they're doing. So is it, and LJ, I'll let you, I want you to jump in here obviously, but um, is it, do you consider yourself a lobbying group? Is it, how, how would you describe somebody, other than saying we're a platform for you know, empowering. People. Sure. So our group is the management group. And if you're talking about Players Coalition specifically, that's a really good question. They're a 501c3 and a c4. So the C3 means they're a nonprofit. For your students out there, the C4 piece means that they can lobby for legislation. Mm. And they very intentionally did that. So when you have professional athletes putting their name on bills and, and talking to elected officials, it really goes a long way. I had, um, I don't even remember when this was, 
when Greg Jennings was playing for the Packers, we did a whole thing where literally he's like, this is what I want to do. And I said, well, let's go to Washington. Yeah. And we met with John Thune and we met with, and it actually changed the course of how he could impact people both in Green Bay and Kalamazoo. And ironically, I've never done it with anybody else after that, for whatever reason, I don't know. But it was interesting to see when they walk into a room, as you know, even here on Radio Row, you know, heads turn and they have, they have the opportunity to drive an agenda and make people listen to them, and sometimes they don't really realize the power that they have. And how educated they are about the laws that they're going in and asking for, yep. and bringing those impacted citizens and hearing and putting faces to those issues. Yep. Cool. Can you give us some examples? Tell us some stories. I'll give you a great example. I have two great examples. Um, we were able to bring Commissioner Goodell with us to New Orleans on a Tuesday, an off Tuesday, um, to get him to sit in on a courtroom in New Orleans when we were looking to have cash bail reform and push for that legislation. So we sat next to him and he watched as these different impacted citizens came in and depending on what they looked like and what their skin color was, was what that cash bail amount was going to be. So he saw firsthand the discrepancies in the system and said, now I understand. We met with impacted citizens. He heard, look, I am a single mother and I need to feed my children and I can't make it to work and how that ripple effect impacts these people and realized that we were, were criminalizing poverty. So getting the commissioner to understand how important this work was has gone a long way. Another really, really cool story, we were working um, in Florida with Anquan Bolden and Coach Stan Van Gundy mm -hmm. around voter restoration. So we helped pass Amendment 4 in 2018, which restored the, the right to vote for 1.7 million people returning citizens from nonviolent offenses in Florida. We hosted a voter restoration seminar and we watched a, a man come in, 44 years old, shaking as he pulled out his ID to register to vote for the very first time in his life. And he had a felony on his record, 17 years old, for a drug offense. And he didn't have that right to vote for his entire adult life. So getting to see these people were changing their lives. And that's really, really important work. It's not sexy, but it's really important work. And so our our role in it and getting to navigate them through this process and make sure that they have the right subject matter experts gearing them is, I mean, incredibly rewarding. So you mentioned the incident, well, not the incident, your, how you overcame an objection when you were at the Padres. You mentioned how you overcame an objection with a Hall of Fame coach and Steve Fisher when you were at San Diego State. How do you use that same dogged determination now to constantly deal with rejection and people saying no. Believing in myself. You know, I, I was 19 years old staring at Coach Fisher, begging him, telling him, look, this isn't who I am. And I knew where I wanted to go and I believed in myself. And I haven't, I have, I don't, I haven't lost that. And I think having that and the humility and feeling like the other shoe was always going to drop is a really good level of uh, balance to be successful in this industry. And we won't compromise our ethics for anything. You know, I'm proud of our whole team and that approach with that and our clients know that and people who we work with know that and I, that's the most important thing about our lasting reputation. Not the work that we do, but how we do that work. How do you deal with failure? Um, I don't see much as failure. It's like, okay, well that didn't happen. It's just a pivot or a course correction or, you know, we make mistakes. I think failure and mistakes are different. You know, I just don't understand really failure as a concept. Do you okay. know what I mean? 
We've been talking a lot about leadership and culture, which matches many of the things we talk about in the classroom. Tell us a little bit about building culture and leadership within your organization. I think it's really important. Um, we're, again, all female, and what we do, we're very protective of who we bring into our circle because it has to ha it has to be a very healthy balance. Everyone, there's no gossip. Everyone jumps in no matter what level, um, and I think that's important. And I think another thing that's very important is that some of us are moms of very little babies and some of us aren't. And we need to understand that everybody's time is equally as important. And understanding that balance and when to jump in, because COVID really proved to be very trying on everyone for different reasons. And I learned that, that understanding, you know, if my baby's having a meltdown and I have to jump on a Zoom, I can't keep expecting my colleagues with no children. You know, just being respectful with that um, and understanding that every person has your back and that I, I believe in empowering people. Like I want to hire people who are smarter than me, and I want to empower them to do the job. And then they tell me what they, you know, what they recommend, and we just keep going. And we do really good work that way. It's very efficient. We just we're so proud of our of our climate. Tell us about your team. Who are they? How did you find them? And and what what makes a good team for you? Yeah, a lot of the women are um, women that I've worked with in previous jobs. So I've seen how they operate. I, I've seen how they conduct themselves through difficult times, how they work through adversity. Um, one female is a former student of mine. I, I, you know, I'm an adjunct professor at, at colleges, and I always tell my students how you behave in the classroom is very indicative of how you're going to be in the professional career. This particular student is phenomenal, and she's now part of our executive team. Um, and I think what makes a good team member is just that ability to get it done and have a good time um, and do it with respect and with, you know, um, being ethical uh, and just unwavering in that. I think that just being good humans is so important. Um, there's a, I saw a number, a friend of mine, Brian McBride, had pointed out to me at one point. In, um, after George Floyd, there was something like, 60 or 70 billion dollars that corporations committed to diversity, inclusion, social justice. And as of about six months ago, there was about 1.2 billion had been spent. And the reason why is brands didn't know how to, what to do with the money. That's right. How do you find those people and get the money to do the work that's not charity, that's actually part of their, their brand ethos that they, they need to grow? Well, I think the first step is making sure if, if we're on the receiving end of those funds is making sure that we're vetting those organizations properly and that we're not just a check the box. Because we saw a lot of that, even some of the organizations we ran, you know, people wanted to throw money at it. It's like, no, we haven't heard from you in three years. You don't just get to sign a check and get credit for this work. And so first of all is learning where people's intentions and hearts are. And then after that, making sure that it's mission aligned with their organization. Um, you know, is it is it education space? Is it the digital divide? Is it voter rights? Um, and, and using those resources, but maximizing the player's impact using those resources really intentionally in the community. Tell us what's next. So you mentioned you're receiving the uh, capital in, infused into Players Coalition, the investment there. But what's next for you? Uh, we get to continue doing the work, which is amazing. Um, some of our clients, we have a client who's opening up um, a school for young student athletes, teaching them about beyond sport and the business of sport. Um, we have other clients who have been focused on youth literacy. Uh, we just, we're working a lot around um, police community relations after everything happening. Um, so we have a busy 2023, and it's really, we've really hit our stride as far as understanding how to get that athlete impact space and execute and again minimizing their time but really maximizing all their resources and that comes with that. 
Last question for me, how important is star power when, when you're looking at the, the athletes or the celebrities that you're working with? You know, I think it depends on what that looks like. I think when you're talking about elected officials, doors will fly open if you have, you know, Anquan Bolden on the phone and they want to meet with you about, you know, qualified immunity. Um, but I think what we've also seen is that athletes at all levels have their own platform in their own space. So we've been able to educate a lot of the college student athletes now is that your platform is still as important. You know, here's what you can do in your community and giving them those tools that are really easy, easy entry points. So I actually I lied. That wasn't my last question because you just made me think of another one. How does NIL factor into what you're doing? That has been a really interesting space, and where we have been trying to factor into that is on the community side. A lot of them have to do the community work, yep. and so how we can tie community work, social justice work, using their platform and getting them to understand that in a responsible manner. Um, we're trying to set up some areas that offer them education spaces, so there aren't many NIL experts necessarily because it's so, so new, but figuring out who's doing it right um, and being able to provide resources to these student athletes and get, making sure that they have the right information. Cool. LJ? My last question. You were talking about how you like to give back to the organization, future female leaders. Can you expand upon that? How do you give back? Oh, absolutely. I think whenever there's an opportunity, um, a contract job, a, a full-time job with us, whatever that looks like, I always look to my female database. I reach out to colleagues. I watch people. So today, if I'm meeting somebody, I watch how they work um, and, and just always give females the first right of refusal at things. And that may sound silly and I need to, you know, uh, it's just very important to me. Um, and I love helping the, the younger um you know, people just starting their career, some of the sport management students who are coming out and helping them navigate. You know, I do a lot of mentorship for those young females because I've been there. I've lost boyfriends over this career. I've had my mom and dad tell me I need to get a job that pays money. I mean, I have seen it all. And so I really feel like there's a lot to offer some of these, um, this younger generation from both the personal and professional side. Cool. Last and most important, tell us where people can find out more about you and the organizations that you work At La Chica Sports on Instagram. At La Chica Sports, you'll find everything you need to know. You will also find, if I can plug, our newsletter, La Chica Lately, which was inspired here by Mr. Fabrito about how he just consolidates all of the top things happening in our industry. I subscribe to his newsletter share it with everybody, what's happening in a very digestible manner, thinking this is a great resource. So I took his same model and did it for young students, just just um, consolidating all the events that are happening, all the educational opportunities they can get in our industry, and anything fun happening, they can get more information. I've not seen Joe blush too often, but I think he was he was blushing having hot when, you were, uh, when you said that you were modeling your newsletter after his. It's exactly right. Am I wrong on how you how you yeah, curate uh, everything? Talk about, talk about time poor time management. So anyway, no, thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I've never really heard anybody say, people say, oh, I got a job off of this. But, but it, the biggest thing is to figure out how you can inspire other people to do other things, which is obviously what you're doing. Yeah, so our team scours um, Instagram, LinkedIn, all things that we can curate for our monthly newsletter, just as you do. So it's very important to us. And, you know, we don't... We, would you we, like to have your team take over my newsletter? <laughs> that would we, be awesome. we got you. We got so, you. Cool. That's great. You know, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been great. Um, hopefully we can help drive some more awareness and some, some inspiration for what you're doing to some of the people who've been listening to us, LJ. Absolutely. Cool. Well, once again, you've been listening to the Super Bowl edition of The Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito for LJ Holmgren. Thanks for joining us.